you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. <laughs> hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 540 of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, I just came back from the South, the Gulf South. I have to tell you, they always say... What's your perspective? BJ Shea from KSW, share this with me. Does something happen to you or happen for you? I have to say 18 years ago when Hurricane Katrina happened, it felt like it was happening to me. I know for Ron, it felt like it was happening to him. We felt victimized. But listen to me. If you're going through something right now, it's really hard to understand it when it's just three feet right in front of your face. You're not 30,000 feet. You don't have perspective. That's why it's so important to have... Uh, a therapist or a neighbor or a clergy member, family member, friend that can see things from 30,000 feet when you can't to give you a perspective. Now that I could see my journey from 18 years ago to here from 30,000 feet, I have to say, Katrina, it happened for me. It didn't happen to me. Also, just got done traveling, spent a load of money. Ron's a gay traveler. I often wonder... I see people out in the world traveling. They tell me they're not racking up a lot of debt. Sometimes they're traveling. My friend Liz travels with her kids a lot. They're just getting back from Egypt. And I'm amazed how much travel that she's able to do because I know that I make a lot more money than she does. But it's not about making a lot more money. It's about being a smart traveler. And we're going to ask Ron for some traveling tips when we want to travel and keep it affordable. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Let's talk about pubes, puberty, and masturbation. <laughs> Do we have to? Yeah. Where is this coming from? Does this make you uncomfortable? A little bit, because I think I know who, if, what this is referencing. Even saying those words right there makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Saying this pubes, is... puberty, and masturbation makes me super uncomfortable. Well, then uh, that's, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you next time. But without getting in specifics, because I want to I want to guard my boy here a little bit, we did have some really interesting talks, and I know that you may have had some interesting talks with him. Not about these topics. Yeah, but we had some interesting talks when, when we were traveling. And I just want to say this. I was raised by parents and ultimately by a parent of the silent generation. The silent generation were the children of the greatest generation. I think the silent generation sometimes, when it came to parenting, I think they did their very best, but I think their very best sometimes just wasn't good enough. And I think I'm looking back now in the way that my parents parented, and I'm horrified by some of it. But again, I think they were doing the very best they could do with the knowledge they have. I will tell you this. As my child just turned 13, when, when I said those three words, and I even thought about it, do I even want to say it's, it's, he has no problem saying pubes, puberty, and masturbation. He has no, because it, because it's, 
His generation talks about it. And as a parent, this is what I know. If I'm not talking to him or with him about those topics, not only is some other child, but he is certainly seeing those things because we talked about pornography. He's seen it before. He doesn't have a phone. He doesn't. He doesn't have a computer that is connected to uh, most parts of the internet. At least that's what I tell myself. But a lot of his friends have phones and a lot of his friends don't have parent, uh, parent controls. And all you have to do, and I'll see this today when I sit outside his junior high to pick him up, every kid that walks out of that junior high, the minute they walk out, the first thing they do is what they learn from their parents. They get on their phones. And the things that they have access to, we have to make sure as parents that we are having those conversations because they're already seeing those things online. I was pretty amazed the things that he saw, the things that he knew by looking at friends' phones. And what you can't do is send your kid to school and go, hey, you're not allowed to look at Bobby's phone. Now, don't worry about that. There's no one at my son's school named Bobby, but there's 1,503 Aidens. There's lots of Olivers. So there's no Bobbies. There's no Drons. And there's certainly, after Donald Trump, there's certainly no one naming themselves Donald anymore. Well, it has been a, a really, it felt like a car being in fifth gear and trying to shift it into second gear for me. So I have, we have friends and people our age with kids that are now teenagers and you listen to them in the discussions they'll have about, yes. about, Hey, I was talking to my sophomore about, you know, whether he or she should sleep with their boyfriend slash girlfriend. And uh, they asked me this question, like, wait a minute. Right. You're talking, the parents talking about the kid. Right. And, and, and I go on and on and on. Just keep going with those sort of topics. And, you know, our parents used to say, like, hey, if you're at a party and you're drunk, you can call me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, right. You never would call them. I, I wouldn't call my parents to this day <laughs> as a grown man. Yeah. And so, and I had to really pause for a moment and go, okay, that's, that's a good thing. The fact that I, but I've had friends that go, it makes me really uncomfortable yeah. when my kid is telling me about, you know, I was at this party and I didn't mean to get together with this girl, but I did, or get together with this guy and I did. And they're comfortable telling their parents about this. Yeah. It's a, it's, I think it's a net positive, but it is very strange from the world that we grew up in to talk about sex and to talk about money and to talk about drinking and talk about doing things that you felt were bad in yeah. air quotes, because you would never talk to your parents about yeah. that. But I think I, it's a good trend. Yeah. And, and I will tell you this without getting too specific. Like when I was younger, uh, I had a girlfriend that committed suicide. I didn't feel like I could talk to people in my family about it. When it came to my sexuality, you're married, right? My mom would front, stand in front of the TV, and if there's some kind of sexual episode going on on MASH, if Hot Lips was being kissed, she would step in front of the TV and explain to us, that's only okay if you're married, right? And it would horrify her if she saw people expressing any, any, any kind of love or sexuality if they went... So, as she got older, I think that that changed. But you have to think about when you're in the shadow of the greatest generation, the greatest generation went off to war. Their parents have gone off to war in World War I, World War II. 
and you have just taken on the Nazis in Nazi Germany. We saw this in the World War II Museum that we were in. At the same time, you're fighting this major battle in the Pacific. You're doing it with half the population in America, a much bigger army, and you're just throwing beans and bullets at the Japanese in the same way you're throwing beans and bullets at the Germans. And even though their equipment in a lot of ways was better, we just had more of it. And we were willing, and, and the president was willing, to have a specific body count, right? Just willing to do that. Now there's social media, and so you get out of places like Iraq and Afghanistan. It was horrified by I will say this, though. Having those conversations with him, and we talked about all those, all those topics on our trip, we did talk about sexuality. We talked about condoms. We talked about suicide. We talked even more about mental health. We talked about partnership. We talked about attraction to girls, attraction to boys. He taught me stuff about being a trans kid that I didn't know, that I don't even think I believed or understood. When we were walking through the airport, because uh, he was the guide, because I'm trying to teach him to travel without me, because that's really what you're doing, right? As a parent, you're trying to teach them. He was explaining to me, he explained to me beautifully why there are gender neutral bathrooms. He had a whole thing. And, and, and I remember talking to, to one of my other partners in real estate. His name, is, his name is Joe. And I said, you've done a beautiful job in parenting your kids. His mom died when he was four. He was raised by his dad and a bunch of brothers. And so a lot of this was not, was, 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 he, a lot of this, he didn't see a lot of examples of this growing up either, but it's something that he and his wife, uh, Jennifer, had partnered on. And they have two kids that I look at and I say, if my kid could be like that when he gets older, I would be really happy. I said, what is the secret? And he said, the secret is open communication. And you want to make sure if you're sending your kids off to college with shame, if they have a lot of shame around their sexuality, if they have shame around bongs and drugs and marijuana, that's legal for the most part in our society. If they have shame around things like puberty and masturbation, all the things, it's just even saying those words, I'm cringing that I'm saying them on a podcast because the way that I'm programming. He said, you know you will have done well when Christmas vacation comes up and they come home early and they come home to your house. You know you would have done well when the kids, their friends want to come over to your house or their partners come over to your house. He goes, you know you will have effed up when those opportunities to come home or those opportunities to go on vacation. And it doesn't mean that they always come home or they always go on vacation with you, but when they, when they start hiding. And for me, when I moved away, I was out of my house when I was 16. I moved away to the West Coast when I was 19. There's a reason I moved away and never went back. There's a reason for that, right? And so I've had to learn as a parent to be able to talk about pubes, puberty, and masturbation. I did it on this trip. I don't know if I did a very good job, but I just want to encourage everyone. If you're not having those conversations with your kid, somebody else is, and they're doing it through the power of the internet. And think about this. And Joe said this to me. Do you really want to send off your son or daughter? And they've, you've never had a conversation about sexuality. You don't know whether they've had sex or not. You basically leave a condom, a box of condoms on their nightstand for the guys, and you tell girls not to do it. Because if you do it, you're a whore or you're whatever it is that you are. 
he is openly, he and his wife have openly had these conversations with their kids. And when you see them now that they're graduating from school and they're on the other side of this, think about a young girl that goes off to a frat party for the first time and she's never had sex. She's never smoked marijuana. She's never drank. She's never beer bong. She's never done any of that. And in a lot of ways, you can be setting your kid up for failure by not having those discussions about things they're curious about or things they're experiencing. So say it with me. Pubes, puberty, masturbation. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. Been saying that for like a decade and a half. And get this. How about a quick fact, you guys? Did you know the services at Les Schwab, they offer help yeah, for your tires, but then they do other stuff too. How about brakes? How about alignment? Uh, you want to do some steering? I think that that's important. They can help with that. How about your suspension? Yeah, Les Schwab, they have expertise in all different areas. So when you're ready to hit the road, you want to stop by Les Schwab Tire Center. And guess what? Right now, you're going to save lots of money during their spring tire sale. Biggest sale of the year. Save up to $175 when you buy four select tires with Les Schwab financing. And best of all, when you buy your tires at Les Schwab, you also get their best tire value promise. What does that mean? They'll take care of your flats for free, free rotations, free rebalancing, and so much more. I just love the word free. Schedule an appointment at LesSchwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since when? Let's say it together, 1952. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don here with my good friend, Ron. You may have heard of us. Anyway, you probably haven't heard of her, Ron. We have a brand new team member, Team Ron and Don Real Estate, right? Yeah, her name is Mara, and Mara just left one of the big tech firms, uh, and now she's doing real estate. Mara, what was it like dealing with folks in tech and specifically with housing in Seattle? Yeah, the housing market in Seattle can be a little bit tricky. Um, Seattle has a lot of very different and great neighborhoods. So having somebody that can help you find the right neighborhood for you and what you like to do um, is really important when coming to a new city, especially when you're trying to meet people who have similar interests or are close to the activities that you like. Um, so what I want you to do is if you are, uh, maybe you're not in tech or not moving around, if you know someone who is or their kid is or they're trying to leapfrog from tech company to tech company, Mara's on our team now. She's an expert in this specific area. So if you would like to do a sit down with us and meet her, you can go to ronandonsitdown.com. That's ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I find this very interesting because my Airbnbs, all of a sudden, while I was on vacation, just, I spent a lot of time. In fact, I spent one day, I spent three hours just talking to people that were interested in renting Airbnbs. And in fact, I'm going to jump off this call and talk to a young man in Chicago that's interested in renting one of my Airbnbs. There was kind of a lull, and then boom. 
And I thought about it, and I talked to one of my friends that also owns Airbnbs, and I said, what is it? And he said, what it is is everyone's on spring break right now. They are having a great time, and as a result of that, they're thinking about their next vacation. They're with some people that they actually want a vacation with, and so now they're booking your vacation. They're either booking it for the summer, aren't they, or the fall, or they're thinking about the holidays. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, the reason they're doing that is, number one, they're having a great time. And number two, if they can plan that much in advance that much in advance, it's a lot more affordable. On Airbnb or VRBO, you can open up your calendar for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And I typically have mine open for three to six months. He's like, no, no, you may consider having that open nine months or 12 months. The problem is when they're open that much in advance, sometimes you get a lot of cancellations. So you have to adopt a specific cancellation policy that I've adopted um, and I'm not going to go into that right now because this isn't a segment about teaching you about Airbnb. If you want to learn about Airbnb and short-term vacations, that's part of what we do in our real estate business. You can reach out, uh, ronadonsitdown.com, or just write me, don, at ronadon.com, and I'll tell you uh, the little bit that I know. What I find interesting, though, I have another friend of mine, Liz, and she pulls out a master calendar every year. She travels a lot with her two boys. She travels all over the world. She has a full-time job here. She's a single mom. She's a physician's assistant. She is phenomenal. She's a great, great traveler, you guys. And she just went to Egypt. She spent less money with her two boys going to Egypt than I did to New Orleans. The reason being, she had booked that trip a year ago. So, Ron, you're kind of this way. We're going to do a trip Costa Rica sometime in the fall. We're going to go diving. You've already been there. What are some of the things is a, is a very active traveler that you and I should be doing right now? Or has it already passed us by and we're already too late to make any cool? I know we can book our trip in Costa Rica, but I really need the cost to calm down a little bit. And a lot of it's my fault because I'm paying for convenience and I'm booking those tickets late. So what say you about being an affordable traveler as we all come out of COVID and as we all want to travel this year? Well, I, th- I think it depends on, you brought up some things here. Some, If you really want to just maximize the experience of travel, I think the first thing that people should do is not be married to the location. And so mm-hmm. when you go, I have to go to New Orleans on this week. I have to go to Costa Rica in during this month when as soon as you do that you're paying more money so if you uh, really just want to travel and you're just a curious traveler um being open-minded on location is the number one thing to save money so for instance i i am a member and i pay it's a paid membership to a uh, a travel site that all they do uh, is you give them your airports that you can leave from the types of trips that you like, and they have people that all they do is shop deals all the time and they'll send you deals. Really? And so, but you have to be open to it. So when I went to Shanghai, I was, didn't have a burning desire to go to Shanghai, hmm. but it, it, I'm not opposed to Shanghai. And I got a round trip ticket ticket from Seattle, nonstop round trip ticket to Shanghai and back for around $500, wow. 525 bucks or so. Wow. And so it was like, Hey, it works on the dates I have. I love international travel. 
Shanghai seems interesting to me. I, it wasn't super interesting before, but now that I've got it, I'm open-minded to it. I'm going to go to Shanghai. And now it gives you time to investigate Shanghai and get excited right. about it before you go. Yeah. And so that's number one is you can get one of these membership sites, be a little bit agnostic about the location. Instead of saying, and, and we can go to Costa Rica, but instead of saying, I have to go to Costa Rica to dive, you could take out a map with your son and go, what are the top 10 dive spots that we could fly to comfortably? So you go, you, you know what it feels like to fly to New Orleans. Never thought of that. That's great. Let's double that. That's all right. Five, it's five, it was five hours. Right. Yeah. So let's make it a 10 hour radius. Mm -hmm. So draw a circle and go, what are the, the top dive spots within this radius? And then you could set up a thing where it's like, hey, I just saw an airfare deal to Belize. Or my next door neighbor just went to Tahiti. It's about 10 hours. He said you can get a direct flight from right. Seattle to Tahiti. They just started doing direct flights. And so now you can say, instead of, well, I'm only going to Costa Rica, it has to be in this time, you have zones. I want to go diving. That's great. I want to go during this time frame. Yeah. You set up these automated things. You're not searching every day. You're paying someone 50 bucks a year or whatever this membership is they'll send you stuff and then when it clicks you go boom hmm. i i'm gonna go instead i thought i was going to costa rica instead of that i'm going to nicaragua or i'm going to belize or i'm going to panama or I'm going wherever uh and now you're diving in a different spot and you get to research that number two is i think people vastly vastly overestimate accommodations if you travel right according to the way i like to travel um, you're not at your room very much. Mm. Why would I go to a place and be at a five-star hotel in Paris? I'm not hanging out at the hotel. <laughs> like, what am I doing at the hotel? Right. I, it, when you and I went to Paris, you're up at 8 a.m. and we're getting a, a croissant and a coffee and then it's off to the races yeah. we're going to the eiffel tower you're going to the arc de Triomphe. you're going down the champs Elysees. like notre i want to see notre dame i want to yeah. see paris yeah now it doesn't mean i'm going to get a total dive um in a, a, a you know cockroach infested hotel but people spend way too much money on on accommodations get something that's clean get something in a reasonable neighborhood and it can be two and a half stars. You do not need a five star resort, five star hotel. And get something that doesn't have drive blood on the bedding, like of course, we, like we experienced in London. And so <laughs> if you just did those two things, or towels that dried that someone else had used. If you did those two things, yeah. uh, you're cutting your expenses in half. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and then the final thing is like if you're like me and you like to do fine dining as well, go to lunch. So if if it's like, hey. I really want to go to this Michelin star restaurant. The dinner service is, uh, you know, 200 euros. Uh, you can go to lunch and probably eat it for 70 That's euros. Really and okay. you're still, it's still the same relative menu. Mm -hmm. Um, but those would be my three biggest ones. You'd be, you'd be shocked at how, unless it's a wedding or a birthday or something where you have to be at a specific place on a specific time. Uh, people get way too married to the exact location in the exact thing so for instance i talked about in a previous show let's say you always want to go to stockholm well if you can fly to copenhagen for half the price fly to copenhagen take a train for three hours it's amazing yeah 
then go see Stockholm for a day or two and come back. Yeah. Like you don't have to, I have to go exactly to Stockholm exactly on this day. That's the only way I have a good vacation. No, it's not mm. like fig, figure it out, <laughs> you know, go somewhere close and then just get there. All right. So, so Ron and I and my son may not be going to Costa Rica to go diving. Maybe not. But let's go diving somewhere. Yeah. I, I've never thought about that. That's really good. We'll see you guys uh, in 60 seconds. Hey, you guys, you hear about them all the time. We say, why, Ron, haven't people out there switched to Mitch yet, right? Yeah, Mitch Weeks joins us. You got a really cool program right now because we know rates are a little high, but they're not always going to be high. No, rates are supposed to drop within the next year. So we instituted a great program. It's called Date the Rate. So you're going to buy a house now at these relatively high rates. And when rates drop within the year, you can actually refinance for cheaper. You can save half a percent on your loan. And what that means is you can use that money to buy down your rate. On an $800,000 loan, that can save you up to $90,000 over the life of the loan. Think of what you could do with an extra $90,000. That's great. 90, 90 grand over the life of the loan. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you? All right, so he's Mitch Weeks. You can find him at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. Go there right now, set up a time, do a Zoom call, switch to Mitch. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. I remember I shared this story with you, and I, I've shared it online. Uh, and when we were uh, when we were exited from uh, Cairo Radio, the interesting thing was is I got a phone call from my friend uh, BJ Shea, and we connected. And he said, "Do you remember what I told you when you kind of started this mental health journey? Uh, we were sitting at a restaurant called Serafina a number of years ago." And he asked me when I was going to go on the journey, and that's when I said I thought Journey was just a great rock band. So he kind of explained to me the journey that he was on, and he had felt a lot of anger in his life. And he said, you know what was happening is the anger, real anger, was starting to come out in the workplace. It was starting to come out with my partner, with my kids. It was, it was showing up in places that these things that I experienced as a young man, I was, I was finding sometimes it was, they were very diffi difficult to control as I got older. And we all know that we have this, the, the brain is a muscle. If you study neuroscience, you know it's called the amygdala. And you also know what separates us from Charlie the dog is over here is you and I have something called frontal lobes. It's the braking system of the brain, right? And that brain, that big brain is just a muscle. It's a big muscle. Like uh, your heart is a big muscle. And so oftentimes, as I say, we, we think about heart health, but we don't think about brain health. I think that's one of the great things about our kids is they are learning about brain health, especially for men that are on the other side of 50. They are they really struggle with even talking about therapy. Really proud of my friend, uh, Mr. Mike, Uncle Mike, when I was down in New Orleans. He had also encouraged me at one point. He said, man, I've, I've struggled with anger. Don, I could see that you struggle with anger sometimes. He said, I went to therapy and it really helped. And I remember when Mike told me that, I, I was resistant to it. I wasn't open to it. And then I started hearing it from people like Ron, and I heard it from BJ, saying, here's, here's three grown men in my life that have all gone to therapy, and I could see that they weren't perfect, and I could see that whatever they went to therapy for would sometimes still happen, but they had a coping mechanism. When I was down in New Orleans, I had someone yell and scream at me, and before I would react to that, and it was in front of my child. 
And instead of reacting to it, I walked away and then I called him over and I said, you know, it's not okay for people, grown men especially, and this was a friend of mine down there, it's not okay for grown men to talk to each other like that. And I said, knowing this person, I bet they're going to come over and apologize to me. And I bet they do it in front of you because they know that it's – that, and that's exactly what happened. This is a person, another person that I know that had been to therapy. They were feeling pressure. They said something. And I looked at my boy when I pulled him aside. I said, you know, that's not about me, Gunner. I said, that's about that person that's going through that because they were feeling pressure. And that's exactly what they did. They came over, not prompt by me, apologized to me, said, Gunner, that's not okay. And that, and that's what therapy does, especially for men that are older. As we get older, uh, our coping mechanisms sometimes, instead of learning how to, because we hear that anger or being angry is bad, so don't feel those feelings. You learn how to feel those feelings, but you also learn what to do with those feelings if you go through therapy or you go for some of you have addiction, maybe you go to something like AA or you find a group in clubhouse online, whatever that is, just other people that have another perspective that helps you put the brakes back on what alcohol and drugs do. And the reason why people enjoy those so much. And when I was younger, the reason why I enjoyed that so much is I could physically feel specifically for me, uh, the Jack Daniels, I could feel it on my brain. I could feel it turning off those frontal lobes. And then when the frontal lobes turn back on, when you're sober again the next morning, you have a headache, and then you also have dread for maybe something that you said to somebody that you didn't mean, but your frontal lobes are turned off. And then you spend the morning apologizing, writing a letter, doing something like that. So anyway, therapy, super important. And I have to say, going through Katrina 18 years ago, we just went down to New Orleans. I hadn't been through therapy. And when Katrina happened, I really felt like a victim. I really felt picked on. Here's another. The radio station tower physically fell into the Gulf South, and that particular radio station never never came back, right? And it was, was really hard for us. It's hard to get a job when you don't have a job. And then when we were in San Francisco, we asked for a raise and they let us go. And we weren't making that much money. We asked, I think, for a $25,000 raise and they said no. Went to Dallas. Our agent got it. We were, I think, number two in Dallas. But our agent got in a fight with the GM of the radio station and he fired us on the spot. It was nothing. And I'm sitting here going, we didn't even do anything this time. We, we're not the ones that asked for the raise. That's why we went and hired an agent. And then our agent just hired the raise, and we got fired again. And then uh, we came up here to a radio station in Seattle. And then I found out that another radio team had been hired in our spot and that we were actually just brought in for a year when we worked at the Buzz on a non-compete. And then we were called in by the GM of that particular radio station. His name is Clark. And Clark said, don't say anything about this on the radio. Uh, you will work for me for the next six months. When you're done, I'll let you know. Come and get your box and don't say anything or you lose your job today. That's what happened at the bus. I've never shared that before. That's exactly what happened. He uh, said, you can work the next six months. We did. I knew it was easier for us to get a job because we, we have a job. That's how we ultimately ended up in New Orleans. And then with the storm, we ended up coming back. 
So I have to say, in our radio careers, when Katrina happened, I felt very picked on, and I felt like a victim. I felt bad and sad for myself and didn't know what to do with that. And I have to say, I, I, I didn't get emotional in a sad way. I didn't cry. When I stood in front of my old house in New Orleans, Louisiana, I was really, and on my birthday, on my 56th birthday, 18 years after Katrina, that house didn't flood, but the roof caved in. And also people had gone through and, and, and looted my house and the other properties there. Not that I had a lot of great stuff to have. Stuff that I did have remaining, I drove all the way to Michigan. I left it with some cop friends of mine, and then I drove back and, and worked as a freelance reporter for a little bit before we came to Cairo. But I stood there going, wow, 18 years later, Katrina. Didn't happen to me. I'm not a victim. This happened for me. Because if I never came to Seattle, I would have never had my son. If I never came to Seattle, I would have never met my friend Joe. I would have never bought and purchased the real estate that I did. Um, and if I wouldn't have bought and purchased that real estate, I may have never met Scotty in my spin class, who is one of my dear friends who's going to help Ron and I coach my son's football team coming up. He's also the architect of the very house that I'm sitting in. I wouldn't have met Mr. Carter, who Ron and I traveled with over to Europe, and uh, we stood together on the beaches of Normandy, uh, and he was an aircraft pilot of an A-6 fighter jet and, uh, in Vietnam. I think of the deep, deep friendships that I have now here in Seattle. I would have never sat with BJ. I would have never been probably encouraged by Mr. Ron to go get therapy to turn things around, to not be a victim, to understand that anger is a feeling and it's okay to be angry, but you can't take it out on other people and you need to know what to do with that. And alcohol is not the way for me to turn on and off those frontal lobes because when those frontal lobes are turned off and I become an angry person, what would it be like for that anger to come out with my son? And when I think about this, when I think about my dad, anytime anyone asks me about my father, I use words like estranged. I use words like abandonment. I use words like alcohol and alcoholic. I use the words abuse. I use the words anger and angry. And all that is true. As my son reflects, and looks at me, I'm sure some of those things he'll see, but I hope some of the words besides my dad is angry, or I had to explain to my, my dad more about a transgender bathroom, or my dad got lost in the airport, which I a lot of times do, and if Ron's not there, I at least now know my son. It will get me on the right train, right? I hope he uses words like therapy, reflective, tried hard, compassionate, loved me, made memories with me, was my biggest fan. And I wouldn't have had all those things and that connection with him if I would have never experienced a horrible thing known as Hurricane Katrina. So for a lot of you, you might be at a place in your life right now where you're going through your own Hurricane Katrina. And I just want to say to you to hang in there. 
Because most of the time when you get back to 30,000 feet, you will find that even horrible things don't necessarily happen to you, but they happen for you. I thought your word was going to be pizza and ice cream. (laughs) Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us as your friends, as your broadcasters, as your real estate agents, all you have to do is reach out, and it's super easy to do. Yeah, let's set up a Ron and Don sit-down. Email me at ron at ronanddon.com, or there's a form if you like to do things online at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, don't forget this Friday, we got an episode coming up I think you're going to love. And in this episode, it's just a real estate-only episode, we take about 20 minutes and explain to you because we're regional real estate guys, right? And the reason we're real estate, real estate guys is because everybody in the Ron and Don Nation that listens to us, you don't just live on Capitol Hill and Queen Anne Mountain and over in Bellevue. You live everywhere. We just sold a house, or I should say we've gone under a contract, under contract, which is different than selling a house. We're going to explain to you all that in episode 541. And we sold a house almost, well, actually over $100,000 of what we were asking. Does that mean the real estate market is back in Pierce County and in Snohomish County and King County and Island County in the Skagit Valley, home of the great Tony Miner? Maybe it never went away. Yeah. Anyway, listen to that episode, especially if you're a seller. We're going to take a deep dive. In the meantime... Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. You guys keep your head up and your shoulders back. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. (laughs) 